0: You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. And last week we, we opened up with chapter one of the book of Nehemiah. And what we saw was Nehemiah had... Asked a question and when we ask questions, sometimes we get the answer that we really want and sometimes we get an answer that we don't really want, right? Everybody can attest to that. So we, we ask questions, sometimes it's a, it's a good response, sometimes it's not so good of a response. So Nehemiah, in essence, says, hey, brother, how are people back home? And his brother says, hey, they're not doing really good everything's destroyed, gates are burned down, the city's vulnerable, our hometown is in shambles. And it's not necessarily what Nehemiah wanted to hear, but what happened is he was burdened because of the information that he received. And we looked last week at what we do when we actually let the burden break our heart. Because I believe that as Christ followers, God has given each one of us a specific burden in our life. Now, what we do a lot of times is we receive this burden and then we just keep scrolling. Right. We just keep doing life. We don't really let it in. We don't let it break our heart. And until it really sinks in or breaks our heart, there's there's no action that goes with that burden. Now, we looked at we receive the burden. Then we we really rely on God through prayer and then we rise up to act. That's what we talked about last week, but I think it would be a disadvantage for us if we just kept going and just stopped with, we rise up to act, because then the next question would be, well, how do we do that? What do we do when we rise up to act? What does action look like when we begin to actually live out the call that God has for us? So last week we we finished in Nehemiah chapter two, verses two through five. We're going to look at those same verses this morning and we're going to see how Nehemiah really went about starting the action. And he really put some things in place so that he could be successful, not because he's smart, not because he's strong, but because he's relying on God to to see this through. And we talked about if God has given you a burden and a passion, he's already equipped you to do it. Do you believe that? Amen. If you believe that that God has equipped you to do what he's called you to do. And a lot of times as church folk, what we like to do is blame other people for not doing what God's called us to do. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that happens all the time that we see that there's a need somewhere or we really want something to get done. God's calling us to do it, but we're waiting on someone else to do it. We get mad and we begin to complain because someone else isn't doing what God's called us to do. And then we just keep going through this cycle, and it's not getting done. And here's what I want you to know, and I don't want you to miss this, is that somebody's going to do it. So you can either say yes, or God will say, all right, well, I'm going to use someone else to do what I'm calling you to do because you're not being obedient. And for me personally, I don't want to miss out on what God has called me to do because not only does it advance the kingdom, but through that, he also blesses his children. So I want you to, to be mindful of that. But I want to give you a blueprint this morning of what it looks like to actually do the work. To do the work. And there's going to be four points. We're going to just jump into point number one before we read any scripture. But number one is this. We seek God continuously. And we saw that Nehemiah, he, when he let this burden in, he cried, he mourned. And then it said he he fasted and he prayed. Right? He fasted and he prayed. And are you see in Verse one of chapter two, it says this in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. So last week we saw uh, Kislev, which was a month that we don't have on our calendar. So we talked about that month being November, December time for us. And then we see in chapter two, there's a new month introduced and it's the month of Nisan. And what's important about this, because I think it's really easy to skip through this, and actually we didn't read verse 1 last week, so we skipped it. But it's important to understand the context of this, because this was about four months later. So we see that between Kislev and Nisan, there's a four-month period. And you're like, so what did Nehemiah do for four months? And if you look at the pattern of his life, it would be pretty clear to see that for four months he prayed and he fasted before the God of heaven to say, hey, so what do you want me to do? He continuously seeked God's face. He bathed it in prayer. And what I want, what I want you to understand is that we, we can't do it. There's nothing in us that can see something to completion the way that God can see it to completion. Now, I'm not saying that we're not gifted and we don't have um, some ability and that God hasn't given us some anointing. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that what we can do in our own power doesn't even compare to what God can do through us because he is all-powerful. And what we like to do, especially me, and I'm putting myself in this category, right? I don't have this all together. What what, what I struggle with is I want to get it done the way that I think it needs to be done. Because there are times, whether you believe this or not about me, that I think I'm the smartest person in the room sometimes. Not in this room because you guys are like extra smart. But there's times that I think that I know the best way and that it needs to be done that way for it to be successful. And you know what? Sometimes that's right. Sometimes I do know the best way and that's the way it needs to go. But there's a lot of times that I don't know the best way. And there's a lot of times that I rely on what I know as a human and not on what God has said and what he's doing as God. I don't know if you struggle with that. That's just what I struggle with sometimes. I struggle with, yeah, I want to seek God, but Do I really want to wait for him to give me the answer or do I want to just keep taking steps and just hope that he jumps in? Right? That's not how God works. God's working and he tells us to jump in to what he's doing. He ain't jumping into what we're doing. That that ain't how this goes. God isn't just saying, hey, so when you do something great, I'm going to jump in. That's going to be good. No, God, he ain't waiting on us to do it. Right? God's working and he says, hey, so this is what I'm calling you to do. Come join the work. That I'm already doing and what we like to do is we like to say well this is a good plan I want to do this God I want you to come bless this what I'm doing right now because this is important and God I can just imagine that God's like yeah bro that ain't important man I don't know why you thought that was important but it's not important and I don't really yeah good luck and then we have some some good fortune and we're like God's blessing this Like crazy and then we get some opposition, which we're going to see next week and the week after there's distractions there. There's discouragement and when we do it on our own, we can't beat that. See, it's all good until we get to a certain point and then it's like, man, I don't know what's happening. I can't keep going and it's usually because we're doing it on our own and we're not allowing God to work through us. And the way to allow God to work through us is to seek him continuously. See, Nehemiah wasn't some special guy. We didn't talk about this last week, but I I just want you to know what he did for a living. He was a cupbearer for the king, which meant that he tasted the food and the wine before the king did. And you may be sitting there like, that sounds like an amazing job. You get to taste the wine before every meal. You get to drink all this fancy uh, wine that the king is drinking, and you're like, yeah, sign me up. I want to taste the wine. This is going to be awesome. Here's the problem is that just like the craziness that happens in our world, people would try to overthrow the king. So Nehemiah's main job was, hey, so if someone has poisoned this food or this wine, you're going to die and then the king won't die. So you really want good benefits with that job. So the wine may taste good, but there's, there's danger, right? There needs to be hazard pay for that job. This is a regular dude. But he was in a place of comfort, right? He lived in the same place the king lived. He ate the same food that the king ate. He drank the same wine that the king drank. He, he went to the same places that the king went to. So although he was an ordinary guy, there was nothing really special about him. He was in a place of comfort. And a lot of times, we, once the burden is in, instead of letting it break our heart, or even if it does break our heart, when we get to the point of action, we start weighing. Man, this is comfortable. This isn't. And Nehemiah here is in the palace living a pretty comfortable life. And he has to at some point think about the reality of if I leave here, my life is not going to be comfortable anymore. So do I want to do what God is calling me to do? Or do I want to just live in comfort for the rest of my life? And I think a lot of times we choose comfort. A lot of days we choose comfort because it's what we're used to and because there's really, there's no danger in our comfort zone, right? And then God is leading us to do something. And it could be, how about how many of you have ever just felt something? You don't even have to say it was God. You just felt something that you were supposed to just go up to somebody at the grocery store, at the gas station, and just say, hey, or maybe pray for them. Anybody ever been there? All right, so that's not comfortable. And I talk for a living, right? But I don't want to go up to some stranger at a gas station and say, hey, looks like you're having a horrible day because all these kids are just running around and you have like two flat tires and all this is happening. Let me pray for you. That's weird to me. I'm just going to be honest, like that is uncomfortable for me to go up to someone and just say, hey, I want to pray for you. And you may be thinking, well, that shouldn't be uncomfortable for you, man. That's what you do. And I'm just being honest with you. That's that's uncomfortable for me to do that. I don't really want to go up to some random person and just say, hey, so God told me to pray for you because I don't know what their response is going to be. And this is what happens is we we put more weight in their response than we do on what God's calling us to do. And we're comfortable. And in my comfort, filling up my car with gas, my comfort zone ain't walking over to somebody else's car and telling them I want to pray for them. My comfort zone is I'm filling my car up and then I'm leaving and I'm not talking to anybody, right? And it's not because I don't like people. I know that I've said that before. I do like people. Thing is, I like I like to just kind of do my thing, go home and then do whatever Ashley says, right? Like, that's how, that's how life works. But what we don't do a lot of times is we don't seek God because we just let our comfort take over. And Nehemiah, we see, was constantly seeking after God. He goes on to say in chapter 2, Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. And we saw this last week that he throws up this popcorn prayer. So Nehemiah bathes the the burden for four months. He's fasting. He's praying. He's saying, God, tell me what to do. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he's, he's bathing it. He's, he's fasting. He's praying. He's praying. He's seeking. And then he finally goes to the king. The king says, what do you want? He throws up a popcorn prayer is what I like to call them because I throw up a lot of popcorn prayers throughout the day because you don't work with who I work with, right? You don't have the same kids that I have. I throw up a lot of popcorn prayers throughout the day. But here's, here's what I want you to know is that Nehemiah had already bathed this in prayer. So this wasn't another prayer meeting for him. This was He was already walking intimately with God. So this, this popcorn prayer was just a, a normal type of communication with him. Are you there in your relationship with Jesus? Are you so close to God that you can just go through life and throw up these popcorn prayers and they work because you're not trying to catch up on your prayer life. You're already there. This is part of it. Nehemiah wasn't trying to catch up on his prayer life. Nehemiah was walking in communion with God. And that's how we seek God continuously is that we walk in communion with him. See, nothing, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's heart. And I want you to think about that for just a second because a lot of times we we don't pray because we don't think God cares about what we care about. And I'm not saying that God cares if the Braves win, right? Like I care about that. I'm not saying God cares about that. What I'm saying is that God cares about you. And that there's nothing too small for his heart. There's nothing in your life where he says, yep, don't care about that. No, because he cares about you. Because you're his son, you're his daughter. He cares about his children. And there's nothing too big for his power. But sometimes our prayers are insulting to God because we're praying for stuff we could do without Him. How many of you, this is rhetorical, how many of you pray prayers where it really doesn't matter if God shows up or not it can still happen? because those are those are safe prayers. but we see all throughout scripture that there's dangerous prayers, there's dangerous prayers that people pray. And these dangerous prayers are God's got to show up or it's not going to happen. God's got to be God or it's not going to happen. And Nehemiah is in this place where he could really be put to death going to the king because you're not supposed to go to the king with any type of sadness. You're only supposed to be joyful. So he's going to the king and he's got sadness. And the king's like, what's wrong with you, man? And he could have put him to death right then. And he throws up a popcorn prayer because he's walking in community with God. How is your relationship with the Father? Number one is we seek God continuously. Number two is this, we define clearly. Verse five says, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. So what Nehemiah begins to do is he begins to define the vision so here's the vision I'm going to clearly define the vision this is what i've I've found out throughout a lot of leadership stuff and just a lot of, of ministry experience is that for most people they it's not really a lack of caring it's a lack of clarity like they care about stuff but they just can't define it they can't put any definitive um, of vision together when we had our relationship series here that's one of the things that we talked about right to have a vision for your marriage to have a vision for your relationship because you have to define it if you can't define it you can't do it you can't do it if you don't define it and what Nehemiah does here is he says hey so here's my vision I'm going to be really clear I want to go back home and I want to rebuild the city I want to rebuild the wall that's the vision It's clear. It's to the point. For example, for you, what if your burden is kids? You say, hey, so kids, that's my burden. I want to see kids come to know Jesus. That's the burden that God has given me. How can we clearly define that vision? So you have to ask yourself some questions. So what age kids do you want to see come to know Jesus? Where do these kids live? Are these kids in your city? Are these kids in your state? In your country? Are they in other countries what do you what do you want to see them actually do and we actually get to a place where we're defining the vision clearly a lot of times it's not that we don't care it's just that we're not clear on really what God is calling us to do so we have to define the vision clearly number three is this we plan carefully and the king said to me the queen sitting beside him is in parentheses it's probably very important How long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. Now, it doesn't say the amount of time that Nehemiah gave. It just says that I gave him a time, and it pleased the king. So what we can take from this is we have to plan the action, and we have to be really careful with our planning. How many of you just go do stuff, and you don't have a plan, you don't really know what's going on, you just start doing something and just hope it works out. Anybody ever do that? So, I feel like I plan very well. My wife doesn't think that I plan very well. And that's okay. Like we don't always have to agree. She can be wrong sometimes. The the thing is I like to I like to plan some stuff and I'm a big checklist guy. Like I have checklists and I'm I'm scratching stuff off and then It's just people get tired of seeing it because I forget about it and then I see it and I'm like, oh, I need to remind this person about this. And they're like, man, that was two weeks ago. Like, yeah, but it's on my list and we really need to get it done. Like, I'm just throwing stuff out there and this isn't me planning. This is me trying to remember. And then things are going haywire because there's no plan in place. And Nehemiah, even though Maybe he doesn't know the exact time. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He begins to formulate a plan. And he says, hey, so when I gave the king a time, it pleased him. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to given me to the governors of the province beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of, Of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. He begins to to actually plan things out. He wants protection and provision. So he goes to the one person on earth that can provide him, besides God, right? So the one person on earth. That could provide him protection and provision is the king. And he goes to the king and say, I want letters to pass by for protection. And I want letters for provision, for resources, so that we can build the temple. We can build the gates. We can build the wall. We can build the house. And he begins to plan for all these different things. You say, well, why is a plan important? And Craig Rochelle says this, but a, a dream without a plan is just a wish. And you can have a dream, you can have all this, but if you don't have a plan, it's just wishful thinking. You've got to put some kind of plan in place and be careful about the plan. See, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get organized. God's a God of order, right? We live... There's a solar system, right? There's a system in place. There's seven days in a week. There's not six. There's not eight. There's seven. That's an order that we have. That's organization. There's usually 365 days in a year, right? Sometimes that changes. That's weird. We're not getting into that. We're just going to say there's order. It's 365. There's 24 hours in a day. It's just God is a God of order. That's how he works. And sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is to get organized ourselves. So when you have this dream, when you have this burden and you begin to seek God continuously and you define that vision clearly, then you have to plan carefully because the plan matters. But you don't have to have the perfect plan. You don't have to have the perfect plan. Sometimes... You're just doing the next right thing. And I think the next right thing is a really good plan. Because Nehemiah doesn't know everything that he's going to need. He doesn't know everything that's going to happen. He plans as much as he knows. And then as we, as we will look through this, we'll see that he just does the next right thing. He just takes the next right step. And that's why we always say here we're taking steps of faith together because it's the next step the next step the next step and as as we plan we don't have to have a perfect plan because we're seeking God continuously the vision's been defined clearly and we're planning carefully by doing the next right thing number four is this you inspire courageously jump down to verse 17 it says then i said to them you see the trouble we're in how jerusalem lies in ruins with his gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer. I want you to see the first thing that he does as he's inspiring other people is he's authentic and he's transparent. He says, hey, we're we're in a mess. Do you see all this stuff? This isn't good. So I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. It doesn't look good. Things are really bad. But... God's called us to do something. God has called us to do something. Verse 18 says, And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. He begins to inspire people, first by being authentic and transparent and saying, This is where we are. But then by saying, hey, let me tell you about what God has already been doing. Let me tell you about how my good God has been working things out already. Let me tell you about how the king wrote letters. Let me tell you about how all this stuff is coming together. And it's not because of me. It's because God is at work and he is doing things that no one else can do. And he begins to inspire people. And they say, let us let us go. Let us rise up. Let us rise up and build. If you're a Falcons fan, this should pump you up, right? Let's rise up and let's go. They don't do that often. But they say, hey, let's rise up and build. Let's do this, man. Let's go. He's inspiring people to join the work. So what he's done is he's he's Sought after God continuously. He's defined clearly. The vision is clear. We're going to rebuild the wall. It's short, it's sweet, it's simple. That's the vision. He begins to plan carefully. He needs to go to the king. He needs to get letters for protection, letters for provision. He, he's got all these, these plans in place. Not the perfect plan, not the whole plan, but he begins to do the, the next right thing. And then he's inspiring people courageously to join the work this is the blueprint for acting and doing what God has called you to do we're not going to stop there because I think it would be helpful for us if we could have some kind of practical example for this what does it look like so we're reading about Nehemiah from a long 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 time ago and sometimes as we as we read about these events we, we don't really take them seriously, maybe, right? We don't think that God still does this kind of stuff, that this dude that's living in a palace gets a broken heart and he wants to go rebuild a wall, and then we see that in 52 days the wall is rebuilt and they couldn't do it for years and years and years and years. Like, God doesn't still do this kind of stuff. This is something a long time ago, and I want you to know that God does still do this kind of stuff, and it happens every day. And this is a good blueprint to use. And we talked about, I told you my burden last week was growing up in church. And man, I grew up in, there's some good churches, some good pastors, some good leaders. So I'm not trying to talk bad about any church that I grew up in or any church in general, really. But one of the things that I saw is that there was some religious people that instead of pointing people to Jesus, they really pushed people away because of legalism or because of judgmental spirits and attitudes or whatever it was. And that was a burden to me because I felt like God loved everyone and wanted everyone to come to him. And then the more I learned scripture, I realized that was one of the times I was right. God does want everybody to come to him. But it it started like way back in high school but I didn't let it in, right? I just, I knew that, man, this is, this is something that should be different. And when I graduated, me and my youth pastor at the time, we talked about, hey, man, what would it look like if we started a church? We had no idea what that meant. We had no idea what that looked like. We just knew that we had a burden, and we wanted to see people reach that the church that we knew weren't reaching. And that there, there could be something else done. I was 18 I had no idea what I was doing I didn't even know what I was doing in life at 18 all I knew is that I was graduated from high school and my life was about to get amazing right amen y'all can say amen y'all some of y'all went to college y'all know what I'm talking about don't act all holier than that we don't act like that here so man I knew I was going to college I knew I knew I was gonna just have some freedom. Not that I didn't have freedom growing up, but man, it was just a different that's a different life. You get to move away, you get to kind of do some things on your own. You realize really quick you need to go back home because mom and dad really knew what they were talking about. You don't know what you're doing. But man, I just I got to a place where I had to do something, right? Because this burden just stayed and it continued, and I needed I needed to learn what what that look like how that could play out in my life. I knew none of that. I just talked about starting a church one day. There was no plan. There was no vision. There was no nothing except, man, we're going to start a church one day. This is going to be awesome. So guess what I didn't do? I didn't start a church. So I got on staff at a church in this area in 2011, 2012, 2012, And they were a new church. They were about two years old. And man, then I started actually hearing the word church plan." I didn't even know that was a word. And some of you may be like, yeah, you keep saying it. I don't know what that means. It's just a new church. And I started hearing about that. I started hearing about what it looked like to start new churches. And I went to conferences about what it looked like to start new churches. And God began to do some work in my heart. And the burden really got in. And I began to pray. And then I stopped. I prayed and said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to start a church. And I can imagine God's up there like, you ain't ready, bro. You just ain't. And I'm like, yes, I am. This is going to be awesome. I'm 26, 27. I'm going to be a young pastor. This thing is going to be great. We're going to have 27 million people. This is going to be the biggest church ever. God's going to love it. Not God's going to do it. God's going to love it, right? So we go out and we start planting a church. And things aren't going the way that I thought things were going to go. The team isn't growing the way I thought the team was going to grow. Things aren't happening the way that Dustin envisioned those things to happen. And I realized really quickly That I wasn't seeking God continuously at all. That the vision was just we're starting a new church. It wasn't a clear defined vision. There was no plan whatsoever. And I was inspiring no one to join the work. Because the work was work I was doing. Not work that God was doing. And I realized really quickly. Man, this is not the way that this is supposed to go. So we stop. I start praying. I start bathing it in prayer. I start seeking God. I become who God wants me to be as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a pastor. And then fast forward four years later, and God's like, now it's time to do this. Now it's time to plant a church. And then I'm like, nah, man, I'm done with that. I tried that. Didn't work, not doing it again. Just put me on staff somewhere. I'm cool with that. And here we are. And we we have a church that's about to celebrate three years, and it's not because of me. What it is is God gave me a burden a long time ago. And I finally began to bathe the action in prayer. I finally began to seek God on a consistent basis. We defined the vision clearly. We wanted a church where people could know God's love, grow in God's love, and show God's love to the world. And it was clear and it was simple. We began to plan. We began to research. We began to to train. We began to listen to people. We began to ask questions. And then we put a plan in place. Was it a perfect plan? If you were here during that time, you know that answer is no. It was not a perfect plan but what it was is it was the next right thing. And we began to do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. And then in January of 2020, we launched a brand new church because we began to inspire people around us. Hey, look at what God's doing. Look at at the lives that are being changed because of God. Look at the excitement and the momentum that's happening for the kingdom because of God. It's not because of me It's not because of the worship team. It's not because of anything but what God is doing. So look at God working. We want to inspire people. And then we ended up with the launch team that said, hey, let's rise up and launch. Let's do it. Let's do what God has called us to do. What is your burden? Do you have a blueprint for the act? Seeking God continuously. Have you defined the vision clearly? What is He calling you to do specifically? Define it. You can't do it if you can't define it. And Then plan carefully. You say, well, man, we're just going to let God work. Yeah, so God's a God of order. Let's plan things. And if we're seeking Him continuously, The plans should be coming from the Spirit anyway. They're His plans. We're just putting them down on paper or on a computer or whatever you do. And then inspire people to get involved, not with what you're doing, but with what God is doing. How does that look in the local church? We're going to close with this this morning. This is how it looks in the local church. Is that there's some there's a burden that God's placed on you perhaps to serve in the local body. And you say, well, I need to pray about it. And that's cool. Some of us, we need to pray for years. Some of us, we need to pray for days and God is telling us what to do, right? I'm not going to tell you there's no, there's no timetable on how long you need to bathe something in prayer. You should know when it's time to rise up and act. But when you do, you need to be seeking God continuously. And then define the vision. And you say, well, God's calling me to, to serve with the next generation. And you, you need to define that. What next generation? Is it is it preschool? Is it elementary? Is it middle school? Is it high school? God bless you for any of those, right? Like he's not calling me to do that at all. I'm not sure he called me to be a dad, but I'm one anyway. I'm just kidding. He did. But define it. What's he calling you to do? And is he calling you to teach? Is he calling you to just help? Is he calling you to, to create? Like, what's he calling you to do? Define the vision and then just plan. And we're helping you with the planning. We have sign-up sheets. You get signed up for that ministry just to learn more about it. It doesn't mean that you're signing up to serve. It means that you're signing up to get information to say yes to serve. If... That's the right fit for you. And we're going to we're gonna see that there's ministry opportunity everywhere in the local church. We set up this place on Friday nights and people don't really consider that a ministry. And I, it is. And it's an important ministry of our church. There's some churches that don't get to have that ministry. We get to have it right now. It's an opportunity for us to fellowship as we set up and we make the shrimp look more like a church building. It's important. And then once you begin to serve, you begin to inspire other people around you to join the work. You say, man, so I, I defined it. God's calling me to serve in elementary. He's calling me to teach these elementary age kids. You begin to plan how are you going to do that. Well, I can serve once a month. I can serve the second Sunday of every month and you begin to get plugged in and then you inspire people because of what you see God doing in the next generation say hey look at what God's doing look at these kids who are coming to know Jesus because we're pouring into them because we're tenaciously shepherding the next generation and then maybe because you said yes and you inspire other people to say hey look what God's doing then they say yes and we begin to multiply people that are saying yes to serve and to fight for the kingdom thank you for joining us at the impact church podcast for this and other messages visit us online at impactharlem.org In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.